Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Wiki Shuffle, the podcast that couldn't slow down. My name's Jack. I'm joined by Chris. Hello. And Phil. Hello. Once again, we will be pressing the random article button on Wikipedia and talking about whatever it throws up. Uh, and we have nothing else to talk about this week, so let's just get right down into it. Unbelief. Um, oh, which... Chris, this is your this is your random article. This is what are the. Uh... I'm guessing it's the tobacco. The, the tobacco, the, the old man smoking tobacco, yeah. yeah. I, I believe the old man smoking tobacco. I thought you did use. I do, I do, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Chris is known to partake in a little Amberleaf. Um, it does sound like a stripper name. It does. Um, <laughs> Amberleaf um, will be my um, stripper alter ego, should I need one at any point Mine's going to be Dump Digger. <laughs> <laughs> Amberleaf is a brand of rolling tobacco. It is a product of the Gallagher Group division of Japan Tobacco. It is available in various size packets, 10 grams, 12.5 grams, 25 grams and 50 grams. The 12.5 gram box includes rolling papers and recently six lines of filter tips have been included in their three-in-one packs. The 25 gram and 50 gram pouches come with rolling papers only. In 2011, promotional Amberleaf tobacco tins were sold with the tobacco in some stores in the UK. This is exciting stuff. I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I'm not sure how comfortable. I'm effectively just doing a fag advert here, (laughs) by which I mean cigarette adverts, um, because we do have some transatlantic listeners. yeah, here we are. Um, so this is a um, a particularly popular brand of, of rolling tobacco. Yeah. Um, I I do use that on occasion. I'm I'm surprised to learn that it's Japanese in origin. Um, yeah, I am as well. Uh, so there mm. we are. So I don't I don't get the hints of the Japanese through no <laughs> through my smoking. My bad uh, smoking I should not do. I feel like the Japanese would know better than to smoke. You would think so. But evidently not. They've um, done a lot of bad things in their, in their time, Phil. <laughs> True. <laughs> not just smoking. Amberleaf rolling tobacco is most popular in Japan, USA and the United Kingdom. The majority of the people who smoke Amberleaf are 18 to 35 years of age. Oh, I am um, in that demographic. Yep, yeah, you are. So it's not old man yeah, tobacco at all? Yeah, it's not as old man of tobacco as you might think, Chris. I mean, using tobacco is an old man yeah. thing, but... Yeah. Um, and then the next bit, and it, there is a citation needed reference here. It is well known fact. It is a well known fact that Amberleaf is the most popular brand of tobacco for under eighteen year olds. No citation for that, and it's because it's cheap. Uh, I see. I'm it? not. I'm not a bigger smoker as I used to be. I used to be a lot worse, but these days I only roll like 
Oh God, I sound like such a I sound like a dump digger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I only smoke it every now and again, so I don't need as much tobacco. So. It was only established in the year 1991. Oh. Um, so many smokers who had been smoking most of their life were already used to another brand of tobacco, mainly Amber Leaf's main competitor, Golden Virginia and Cutter's Choice. Although Amber's Le- Amber Leaf's popularity has risen sharply mm-hmm. since its launch. I have to say, uh, as 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 the only smoker, really, um, I don't really care what tobacco I smoke. It's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> I thought you smoked, Phil. Um, I occasionally partake, um, but I'm by no means an expert, and I certainly don't partake in Rollies. No, um, they're not. They're a acquired taste, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Also, they're more faff. A lot I more quite, faff. I quite like the faff. Yeah. I'm trying to make it sound like it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, it's, and that's it. Um, that's, that's it. That's, that's all. We've, that's all we've got to know. I've got nothing um, really to say about that. Charles Lynch, judge. Charles Lynch, 1736 to 1796, was a Virginia planter, politician and American revolutionary who headed an irregular court in Virginia to punish loyalist supporters of the British during the American Revolutionary War. The terms lynching and lynch law are said by some to derive from his name, although this is disputed. That's interesting. We just went from uh, Amberleaf and therefore Virginia, Golden Virginia, Uh. straight into a Virginia planter. Hmm. It's not that interesting, but, you know, it's notable. It's a link. Away. <laughs> we'll tell you what we can get. Yeah. Um, Charles Lynch was born in 1736 at an estate known as Chestnut Hill on the banks of the James River in Virginia. Lynch's father left his native island and emigrated to the English colony of Virginia in about 1725 as an indentured servant called a redemptioner in the nomenclature of the day. Upon arrival in the New World, Lynch was sold to a wealthy planter living in Caroline City. Lynch remained with the planter for his fixed term of servitude, winning winning in the process not only his freedom, but the hand of his daughter, Sarah Clark, in marriage. Oh, so it's a, a slave comes good story mm, although I suspect it's going to go bad again yeah with the financial assistance of the elder Clark the Lynches themselves became planters of tobacco on a large scale farming well over 7,000 acres of Virginia land Lynch married a fellow Quaker the former Anne Terrell on January the 12th 1755 the young couple set out to establish their new home on Virginia's western frontier on a more distant parcel of land granted to his father by King George II in newly established Bedford County. Uh, following the end of the French and Indian War in 1763, the danger associated with life at the frontier greatly lessened and a flood of newcomers began to appear in Bedford County. Lynch's position as a landowner and leading citizen but was by this time well established. His farming of tobacco and raising of cattle had made him a wealthy man, the possessor of property and African slaves. There we are. <laughs> Here's the turning point. Beginning in 1764, oh. other property-owning white male citizens began to approach Lynch to ask him to become a candidate for the Virginia Assembly. Lynch initially refused these entreaties entri- on the grounds that swearing the necessary oath of office was prohibited behaviour for an adherent of the Quaker religion. So, yeah, he was he was sold to a wealthy planter. So he, um, this is a... a, a, a this, 
was a black slave that was not a slave anymore. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't he's a slave. Not, not, um, he, he was, was he an was indentured servant. servant. Oh, okay. So, uh, kind of a step down from a slave or up. I say, I'd up. say a step up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a step up. And then um, he you're in trouble if you're a step down. And then decided, I'm going to have some slaves now. Pretty much, yeah. That seems to be what happened. Oh. Um, so, okay. so this this chap, um, the way that indentured servitude worked is that you'd effectively pay for your travel to the new world by saying I will be unpaid labour for you if you sponsor me to be on a ship over to the new world is what I, how I believe it worked and then he worked his term Lynch served in the Virginia House of Burgesses and the convention from 1769 until 1768 when he became a military colonel <laughs> hang on 1769 until 1768. That wouldn't work, that would it? That wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a time traveller, but I think that would have been in the first paragraph. They'd have mentioned that sooner. Um, Lynch served in the Virginia House of Burgesses and the Convention from 1769 until 1778, when he became a military colonel. After the Revolution, he served in the Virginia Senate from 1784 to 1789. Okay. In several incidents in 1780, Lynch and several other militia officers and justices of the peace rounded up suspects who were thought to be part of a loyalist uprising in southwestern Virginia. The suspects were given a summary trial at an informal court. Sentences handed down included whipping property seizure, coerced pledges of allegiance and conscription into the military. Lynch's extra-legal actions were retroactively legitimised by the Virginia General Assembly in 1782. Lynch's law, referring to the organised but unauthorised punishment of criminals, became a common phrase, as was used by Charles Lynch to describe his actions as early as 1782. The Oxford English Dictionary, however, notes that the origin of the expression has not been determined. Various variations of the term, such as Lynch law, Judge Lynch and lynching, were standard entries in American and British English dictionaries by the 1850s. In 1811, a man named Captain William Lynch claimed that the phrase, by then famous, actually came from a 1780 compact signing by him and his neighbours in the Pittsylvania Court, Virginia, to uphold their own brand of law independent of legal authority. So everybody wanted a piece of this. Personally, I'd like to have my name as distanced as possible mm. away from yeah. any law that suggested that you could just le- eke out any yeah. revenge beatings that oh, you might you've, want you've to. You've been shaman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, Charles Lynch, the judge, is a total asswipe. It certainly sounds like Charles Lynch, the judge, was an asswipe. I'm, it does, I'm it does indeed. okay. Certified asswipe. Yeah, we've put the wiki shuffle seal of <laughs> seal of asswipe on him. Charles Lynch died on October twenty ninth, seventeen ninety six. Actually, I felt really happy then, but I guess it was inevitable that he was going to die at some point, considering <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was born in the seventeen seventies. If he was still alive now, that would be something to be worried about. So, um, yeah. Man's ability to be unpleasant to mm. his fellow man. I did assume that this um, article would be a bit more interesting, considering it's the originator of the um, of the word lynching. But it's it's fairly vague about what he actually did. Um, sentences handed down, including whipping, property seizure, coerced pledges of allegiance, and conscription into the military. It doesn't. It's a bit non-specific mm. um, for somebody who seems to have been so proud in what he was achieving and was obviously being frenzied into dirt by the, the general political mood, which itself is pretty grim, isn't it? Yep. Anyway, he's dead now. Let's move on. Yeah, and there's no sign of any kind of lynching or um, 
crime or any kind of punishment being doled out without due legal process in America or anywhere else in the world. So that's good yeah. to know. Um. Happy endings all round. <laughs> Relentless is the debut album from former S Club 7 lead singer Joe O'Meara. Now we're talking. Here we go. (laughs) Settle in. We're back on territory we know how to talk about. I think we should maybe explain to uh, our international listeners, of which we have many. um, Particularly the Algerian contingent. (laughs) A lot of Algerians. We've had no downloads in France, but we've had a lot in Algeria. Very strange. Don't know why, but we'll we'll take it. Hello, Algeria. Um... So it's not Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Algiers. The United Kingdom calling. Uh, so, Joe O'Meara, lead singer of S Club 7, is a pop group, an intersex pop group. Uh, they were big in the... I don't the, think they described themselves uh, as that. And uh, an intergender, intersex. Intergender. I'm not sure intergender. that... Yeah. <laughs> That's the word. Um, so, they were, there were seven of them, hence the S Club 7. I don't know what the S stood for. They uh, used to say it can stand for anything you want, but... Well, no, that's, with that's with S. <laughs> you um, do need to add that caveat on there. Yeah, I, we're describing and Joe O'Meara as the lead singer here. That's not oh, how yeah. I oh, she was the lead she? singer. Yeah, Joe was yeah. the Joe was the front. She, she was, was pretty the... much the only one that could sing. I mean, Joe had the flow. Yeah, I'm not disputing <laughs> no, that. Nobody does. <laughs> so the the controversy around Joe O'Meara. Uh, I mean, she was just the lead singer of a pop group. She was fine, and then she went on Celebrity uh, Celebrity Big Brother, oh. and she was part of a a gang. A troop of women. I would who, call them a coven. A co- <laughs> yeah, there were three of them. Generally, covens are three. Yeah. She was a part of a coven um, that relentlessly, oh. as the name of the album suggests, um, bullied and harassed uh, Shilpa Shetty, the um, Bollywood actress, and they did so fairly racistly. And it was a big, big deal over here in the it UK. Was huge. It was yeah. a massive story. Well, it was huge. And in India. India, yeah, because they they were burning effigies. And they were, yeah, yeah. So, so the the troop was um, Joe from S Club Seven. Coven. Coven, sorry. Um, Jade, Jade Goody. Goody, who was a former Big Brother contestant, and then went on to appear in Celebrity Big Brother because of the celebrity that she had gained from being in Big Brother. And the other one was Daniel Lloyd. Daniel Lloyd, who was a glamour model, married to Teddy Sheringham at some point. Was it? She's been through a lot of footballers. I seem to remember. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. There's a bit of background. So, I'm not sure whether was this after the racism in- incident, 2005. A symphony like that. Well, yeah. let's read on and see if it if it mentions. Yeah. Well, I don't think Joe Joe from S Club. I don't think anybody remembers a flow anymore. I think it's all about the racism. It is, and I always felt like it was a bit of a storm in a teacup. I'm obviously. Um, yeah. um, mm. It wasn't very. It wasn't very nice to watch. It was pretty hard to watch. But at the same time, the media did go a bit. I well super mad. I don't think they needed to know. burn things. I, I can understand not letting Jade Goody be on Iceland adverts anymore. That yeah, that's fine. But the the hate was to the same extent. So I, I think there that. there had definitely been instances of bullying in Big Brother before that that were much worse. Oh yeah. And, but the fact that this was in a in a celebrity show where you kind of expect people to behave a little bit better. Um, and it was bullying. It was bullying. And it, the racism thing was... It was... It, it, it's a difficult it. argument it because it was, it, was, it was very overt. They, did, they said things like, you know, Shilpa Poppadom instead of Shilpa mm. Shetty. You know, just really, really tedious, basic racism for idiots. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a certain 
school of thought where you could say it's just ignorance. They didn't mm. realise what they were doing because basically the three of them were incredibly, incredibly thick. Yeah. But can you excuse... I mean, it's the, same, it's no. the same argument as when people say, oh, it's just grandma. She she lived in no, a different no, time. I think what they... They're they, still racist. They couldn't have any contract anymore and they got sacked by the people that would have paid the money. Um, mm. The same way, like Jeremy Clarkson, he, I'm glad he sacked because yeah. the po- don't do things like that. But the public hate and the sort of walking through the streets and the papers printing all sorts about you, I think maybe that's a step too far. I'm maybe playing into the same camp as the person doing it in the first place. I did so. see a, an interview with Jo um, shortly after this where she was saying she was suicidal and oh, they all, she wasn't yeah. leaving the house. And, and then yeah. the public's way of going with that is um, increase it. Yeah. Because I don't know if that's just the British public, that's what we do. We do love a good scapegoat, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like we're doing Joe a disservice, though, because we haven't mentioned relentless once. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, this is your moment to shine. Yeah, so we're it. detracting from this is a positive article about your achievements. I'm sure it's a great yeah. album. I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> um, it was released two and a half years after the pop outfit split in May 2003. Produced by Brian Rawling, also responsible for some of Cher and Enrique Iglesias' hits, it was co-written by O'Meara, and the album is a mix of contemporary pop, disco, and soulful ballads. The album was released in late 2005, entering at 49 on the UK album chart. Not a hit. Not, not a hit. Um, she, was, she, was, she might have been the lead singer of Esther, but she was the weekend as well. That's quite hard. I don't mean rough as in like, like I mean rough as in she, if you're in a pub and you spill a pint on it. Oh, she'd kick your ass, kick yeah. Your head. But then, yeah. She'd handle herself. But that's how it Way worked. That was the dynamic. And a lot of um, a lot of like boy and girl groups do this where you have four very attractive ones and then you have an ugly one who can sing. <laughs> and it's, you know. It may be hard. She was not. She wasn't ugly. She was just not as attractive as just, Hannah that's Rachel what I mean By rough, I don't mean rough as in necessarily looking. Just rough as in behind those eyes, she would have no problem glasses on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. That's. Or like yeah. throwing a Molotov cocktail through a kebab shop window, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> if that happens, it's not mentioned in this article anywhere. Um, I'm assuming you're referencing some personal experience you have of Joe. Um, <laughs> now, I I read somewhere, and I don't know that this is if this is true, or it's certainly not referenced in this particular article. That after the whole Celebrity Big Brother debacle, Joe retreated off to the countryside and now lives in a farm where she breeds big dogs, like like proper like Newfoundland sized dogs. Really. Maybe a lot of um, a lot of pop acts from that era seem to um, live on farms now. Saying it out farms. loud makes me think that I've made it up. Though. Yeah, <laughs> but I can it see doesn't it. sound that true. I yeah, can see can, Joe look. walking through a town centre past Spa or whatever with two massive dogs <laughs> on each arm. Yeah, in a tracksuit. I can just see it. sort of pushing them towards anyone of a different colour to her to, <laughs> yeah. to try and get them to have a bite. No, is that is that libel? Joe, I'm sure you're not racist. You were mis- misguided. No, I, I, okay, I don't know if this is, but um, I think what she said, I don't think you can really say that's libel. That's libelous because it was, it's filmed. It's there. It's in your face. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, uh, um, I think we're just voicing an opinion about Joe. That's the I've just had a look and it, it was in 2007, so two years after this album. Oh, she, the Celebrity Big Brother incident. 
Oh. Um, and since then, S Club have made something of a comeback as well. They were on Children in Needs the other year. They were. Um, comic re- no, was comic it was relief? one of them. Um, yeah. I can't remember which one. Uh, yeah, they weren't. They weren't great. In November 2014, S Club 7 announced plans for an arena reunion tour, prompt, uh, promptly entitled Bring It All Back 2015. See what they did there. To launch in May 2015, so watch this space. May 2015? What now? <laughs> right now. Imminently. <laughs> Imminent. Any minute now, they're going to explode in an arena near you. Oh my God. There's, there's no mention of the, the big dog rearing, so <laughs> I may have just made that up. Is that libelous? <laughs> Uh, probably who cares um, what I liked about S Club 7 is that they brought back that, that thing that the Beatles and the, like, the Monkeys used to do and they had their own TV shows oh, yeah, where they would do some pretty poor acting mm-hmm. uh, there was Miami 7 and yeah. LA 7 where, where they'd, just well. go, they'd go to Miami for a series and just mm. chill out yeah, I think it, it was very much in the same time as Friends and they thought they could maybe cash in on both that and the singing yeah and they didn't well, they did in the 90s. They were huge in the 90s. Um, they were big. Didn't they make no money, though? Wasn't that the thing? Is that that, all got yeah, kept, yeah. Kept from them. They made about, I think they came out with about 100 grand each, all told. Well, that's not no money. For a four-year career in the music business, yeah, you know, that's a and sort three, of a, three, three or four series it's an average yeah. office job, isn't it? Yeah. Who, who don't you hear from anymore? I think Rachel... She seems quite fine. I think I think she's probably the one that had the most success. And now sure, she did, yeah. Um, Tina's tried to do a singles career. It hasn't really taken off. Yeah. But Paul? she's devastatingly attractive these days. So mm. Paul did metal. Tina. He did a metal Paul band. Paul did metal. Um, John, is John out yet? Is this, are we allowed to say this No as well? comment. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He might be. If not, I hope you're happy, John. Um, <laughs> Bradley. Bradley. Bradley's just cool still. No, because uh, Bradley, Joe, and Paul did a lot of uni tours a couple of years they ago. They did, as S Club 3. As yeah. S Club 3, which is awful. So, Relentless, the album, uh, didn't do that well. That's a shame. Um, it? it probably wasn't very good. Joe on her own. I'm Citation not needed again. <laughs> it might be the best album of all time, it just didn't get publicity. That's possible. Um... Going from the track titles, uh, Relentless, what, what Hurts the Most, Racism Does, <laughs> Wish I Was Over You, To Ease Your Pain, By Not Being Racist, <laughs> You Didn't Know, Baby I'm a Fool, From Being Racist, Never Meant to Break Your Heart, By Being Racist, Rainbow's End, By Racism Happening. <laughs> <laughs> they're the unofficial song titles. They're, they're, the they're in brackets, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hole in One, also known as Parfection, the golf movie, oh, that's bad, is a 2010 comedy film starring Steve Talley. It is about a cool undergraduate boy who gets tricked by some surgeons and they operate on him, giving him a set of breasts. Oh, (laughs) right. For starters... You can't tell me he's cool. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yep, that's true. Secondly, he gets tricked by some surgeons. <laughs> yeah, they're tricksy. Um, they gave him a set of breasts. Now he has to earn money through golf for the reverse surgery. What? <laughs> what was the character's name? Uh, it doesn't say. It's man. Eric Keller. Eric Keller. Oh, Steve yeah. Talley as Eric Keller. Um, the One film summer. Eric Keller. <laughs> <That> sounds awful. <laughs> 
oh, that's just the worst premise for a film I can possibly imagine. Have you been tricked by surgeons and given a set of breasts? Do you deserve compensation for these things that have happened to you? Oh, Call 0800 hole in one, <laughs> or just go and do a golf tournament because that I imagine, that I imagine a, it's worked that well for him. It's in the, the logical, inevitable thing to do to make money, isn't yeah. it? The film was released by Universal Studios via Universal Pictures in the United Kingdom on September 12, 2010, with a wide release in an additional 65 territories and countries. It is awaiting a US domestic release. Really? Because it's like the most. I mean, the the um the actual poster says American Pie plays golf. Yeah. So I would have assumed it would be. That's the is it an American Pie film or is it? That's no, the they're just film. trying to. It's trying to um. Cash yeah. in. Lazy, lazy, lazy. Mm. There were loads of films that tried to cash in on the American Pie thing around that time, though. Yeah, like American Pie 2 and American Pie 3. Yeah. Yeah. Universal tagged the movie as American Pie Plays Golf, and so many people have mistaken it for being the eighth mm. American Pie film because Steve P- Talley, who appeared in American Pie Presents The Naked Mile and American Pie Presents Beta House, stars in it. Further evidence shows that Steve Talley is called Eric Keller in Hole in One and is called Dwight Stifler in the American Pie film series, which shows the distinct differences between the films. <laughs> Um, box office figures report $600,000 taken in London, England with no other figures reported so it was only released here apparently but it does it is an American (laughs) but it is an American film and that's as much as we get the cover my god the cover is all I haven't seen the cover so I'm going to try and describe it right okay Okay. so there's going to be the main character will be right at front centre Yep. Maybe a little bit of an, uh, an angle, a sort of diagonal angle, and looking straight at you. Jaunty head yeah, off to one yeah, side, yeah. but looking straight um, at you. Yeah. Has he got a golf club in his hand? He has. <laughs> right, okay. And is the sky really blue? No, there's no. There's no. There's no. white background. That's the American Pie thing. Mm-hmm. And is the logo, what's this what film called again? Hole in One. Hole in One. That might be. Is that a jaunty angle? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. And hang on, there's, a, there's something that the one. Has a, a golf ball for the O. Yeah, good. And there's something on the go- golf ball. Can you guess what that is? A nipple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be weird. It's um, it's a kiss mark. A, a oh, of course, mark. of course yeah. it is. No, we, I don't understand this because the, the film is about him getting rest and then playing golf. But the cover is so sexual. You were yeah. dead right about it being him front and centre with his golf club. Yeah, has, That's he, got, great. has he got boobs in it? He, he hasn't. hasn't. Oh, okay. Um, but there's actually a group of characters behind him. They were scanning your cats. Were just, not Sorry, really. Not characters, but the- coquettish girls. Yes. There's a group of coquettish <laughs> hey, girls. The uh, only thing this needs, and this is a bit of a stretch if it's got it, um, would be like maybe a bra or some underwear hanging off the logo. Well, well, <laughs> you, got that. What the, the focus got. is at the bottom of the of the of the image. Yeah. The the main focus of the poster isn't the main character with his golf club. He is actually obscured somewhat by a giant. Um, I don't know, bottom half of a woman, basically, <laughs> who is facing him and... Does he look they, shocked? She's got his uh, her legs open. Yeah. She's got a few golf balls and tees on her stomach. Oh. And yeah, she... It very much looks like he has just played a perfect shot right into her vagina. <laughs> Which is a crime. Well, no, it very much looks as though they wanted it to look like that. Yeah. In reality, it is so badly photoshopped that there is no way that these two objects have ever been in the same hemisphere as each other. It looks like a giant vagina is about to devour right, six I'm people. Gonna have to that's see what this it looks one. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, that's sort of what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sensational poster. And as far as I'm concerned, in the synopsis, there's nothing to do with 
with women or you know yeah. sex or anything it's just clearly just to to draw people into this shit film well the main yeah. plot device is the, the bit been, that is, intrigues me is the surgeons that play tricks on him he's been wronged by surgeons mm. and he's got no no recourse except no. golf which, exactly. yeah. it's a stretch isn't it this can get made but so many other things can't get funding it makes me want to never watch another film again mm. <laughs> turn your back on them <laughs> it looks so terrible I understood this sort of film when we were young because it would be a, a way to get a bit of titillation when, you know, we didn't really have the internet or, you know, not to the point where you could play videos anyway. So it was like seeing something a bit naughty. Mm. Sort of like FHM, that sort of lad's mag. Mm. You'd buy it because you'd get to see some boobs, but there was nowhere else to see boobs. Mm. These days, those magazines and these type of films, they're not needed. No, they're not needed. If you want to see tits, it's piss easy to see tits. Tits are everywhere. In all different forms all different forms you don't have to sit through a tedious story about golf and (laughs) surgeons tricking you to get boobs well it seems like our um our initial skepticism about the quality of this film um is backed up by the three out of ten rating that it currently has on the imdb Um, that is bad you have to be a bad film to get that low it's strange (laughs) wikipedia routinely always links for every film and and actor will link through to imdb but very rarely does for rotten tomatoes which is Hmm. i did actually watch um what was it called Play, Play it again, Sam. Sam, the Woody Allen film. Oh, yes. Um, so I think the challenge is on one of you to watch Hole in One for the, for the benefit of the podcast. Come on. I'll do it. I've watched Titles four times. All right. <laughs> I would rather watch Hole in One than anything of Woody Allen's. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the real challenge there might be to find a copy yeah. of Hole in One. And, and the idea isn't of... stained. Yeah. That... <laughs> I think the dump diggers took all the... I keep bringing them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, taking all the copies. Dump Diggers was last week. Let's do a bit in the past. I'll watch it. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be my task for this week. Okay, good. Next week, Phil. I'll Phil, give you a Chris, review. I'll we'll give you watched. a full review of Hole in One. Perfection. Great. Perfection. Perfection. Oh, come on. Yeah, perfection. Okay, so tune in next week for Chris's review of Hole in One. Yeah. Perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, you can keep up with the show on wikishuffle.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at wikishufflepod, um, where we'll be posting facts found through the random article on wikipedia each day at 445 uh that's UK gmt time. uh facebook.com wiki shuffle you can email us at podcast at wiki if you want to get in touch or if you've found anything particularly interesting on uh the random article button and finally you can get us individually on twitter i'm duke jok chris is chris wallace 123 and phil is pe shaman until next week see you later bye thank you 